Welcome to the latest episode of our Business in Focus podcast. I'm Teresa Rishaje. I'm a financial services partner and head of legal at TWC. I'm your host for today. Really excited to bring to you the next episode of our In Conversation with podcast. These feature discussions between our people and our clients about the impact of the last 18 months on their organisations. We're going to explore what we've learned from the disruption that we've experienced over the last year and how we can take those lessons forward to help us navigate future challenges. And we'll also discuss how we've worked together with speed, imagination and care to deliver results that really make the difference. So joining me today in our virtual studios are Carl Fiber and Hertelano Rodriguez. So hello to both of you. I wonder if I could just get you both to give me a brief introduction. Hertelano, can I come to you first, please? Sure, hi, Teresa. My name is Hekalano Rodriguez, and I am the category director for THG. What that basically means is I work with our largest clients, helping them to support their DTC growth. And I also lead our digital strategy team who help optimize digital strategies for all of our clients at Ingenuity. And really happy to be here to be talking to you today. Thank you. And I'm going to come back in a moment and actually ask you a little bit more about Future Ingenuity. But before I do that, Carl, hi. Do you want to say hi to everybody? Hi, Teresa. Hi, Herc. Great to be here today. Uh, I am uh, the management board member. I'm responsible for our regional practice across the UK. Uh, financial services partner as well. So, uh, Teresa, slightly different uh, agenda for us today, but really looking forward to the conversation. Great. Hi. So, hi, Kalana, you started off by explaining exactly what it is that you do at THE Ingenuity. But I actually wondered, for, for those of our listeners who don't understand exactly what the, what the company does, if you could just, just give us a brief overview of what it is that, that you do. Sure thing, Teresa. So, THE Ingenuity is essentially the technology division within THG. And what we do is help brands with a complete digital transformation through a simple e-commerce platform. What that basically looks like is we help brands from looking really essentially across four key pillars. So everything from understanding the technology, the operations, the digital brand services, underpinned by data are services that we provide to clients to help an end-to-end e-commerce proposition. I'd love to understand from your perspective, just what the disruption over the last 18 months has meant for Ingenuity. Um, What have been some of the challenges? What have been some of the successes? Sure, totally. So if we fast, if we take a step back and you look at, okay, March 2020, world goes into lockdown. That means that every single shop in the UK closed except for essentials. It really disrupted the consumer patterns of how people would shop. Obviously, there was a lot of additional disruption in terms of working and all the other factors of what we do on a day-to-day basis. But what it really meant for retailers and for brands was their main channel that they have to connect with their customers was cut off. And what we've found is over the last 18 months, since March last year, the number of businesses that wanted to launch direct to consumer so they can get their products into the hands of the consumers has increased massively. So what that means was in terms of challenges the biggest challenge was most of these businesses that we worked with or that we work with they're not really set up for direct-to-consumer they have a traditional retail value chain um, 
and their e-commerce was a small proportion of the business. But what COVID really did was give you a window into how the future is going to look like in terms of shopping and consumer behavior. And it enabled brands had to really pivot their business models ridiculously quickly around, well, okay, how do I launch an e-commerce site if I am a food and beverage company where e-commerce generally used to go through the pure plays or through some of the grocers. But actually, how do we launch a pure play, get into the hands of the consumers, was a really interesting pivot. I think what that really meant was what we had to do was really upscale on the amount of fulfillment and also the amount of people in our business to help us help our customers accelerate their direct-to-consumer business. And what that really meant was it was genuinely helping businesses to pivot their business models, create new businesses and new operating models to be able to get closer to their consumers to be able to sell their products. There was many benefits, and I can come into that a little bit later, but the key things that they really wanted to do was to be able to sell their products to their consumers get the consumer engagement and also to start to capture data. My door almost dropped at the, at the 3,000 people that you hired um, in 2020. Um, Paul, can I turn to you, having heard what Herculano has just talked about in terms of that quick pivot that they had to do, we talk a lot about, you know, speed, imagination and care, but particularly focused on, on speed and, and maybe supply chain disruption and transformation would love to get your perspective from what, what you've seen over the last year from your clients. That, that piece around speed has been absolutely important this year. You know, the, the speed of disruption, the speed of change. Organisations, when we first talked to them, were in a, a number of them were in a bit of a mode of panic. What do I do? Where do I go? But actually, the opportunities that came around suddenly manifested themselves. And you had organisations changing absolutely massively to really deliver to what it was that consumers actually really wanted. So that really needed that speed of change and, and diversity of thought. It needed a lot also though of, of innovation and imagination and thinking about how do you do things differently? And actually it's quite remarkable, isn't it, that you, in this example here, recruited 3,000 people who'd have thought in a very digital perspective that was what was needed, but actually it was needed to supply this huge change in customer demand but actually that was really focused on what it was that customers really wanted so that concept of, of care for the customers cares for the consumers that was about how do organizations think about what is it consumers really need in this very different world that they find themselves in and how do they set up the business model the operations the supply chain to deliver to that need so an absolutely massive fundamental change and one now that will clearly stick and stick, I think, for the better in a number of different ways. But it's fundamentally putting business models in quite a different position. Hi, just go back to something that you said around a lot of these businesses had never had a D2C model. And so they had to, to pivot quite quickly in terms of the when you sort of think back the challenges that you have in as an organization and making that happen are there some lessons learned from that i think the learning for me is you really need to take a step back and think look what is it that the customer is trying to get to what is it as a business we can do to try to get to where the customers are and how do i organize my business in the appropriate way so i think for me it's always around 
taking that step back and figuring out, well, where do we start? What is the right proposition for our customers? Why are we doing this? And how do we execute this? The thing about e-commerce is it's really difficult. E-commerce is not easy. It, you have to have the supply chain. You have to have the understanding of the consumers. You have to compete in a really tough environment when it comes to advertising and getting people to come to your site. If you think of all of those key variables, many businesses are not set up in that way of, okay, well, why do we want to have a DTC in the first place? How are we going to advertise differently? And how is our supply chain going to evolve in a way which allows us to support that DTC? So some very simple examples is most businesses, when they are shipping products, they're shipping, if I think of a CPG business and we take a nutrition uh, and nutrition bars, most businesses would have those ready-made for shelf packaging in supermarkets. They didn't think, okay, well, we might need to make smaller packages for consumers rather than buying 25 or 30 bars, we need to make smaller packaging. So actually the idea around, well, how do you get your supply chain right by thinking around, well, what is the point that you're trying to achieve? How do you organize around that individual goal? And essentially what we're doing in these businesses, and I'm sure Carl can speak eloquently about this as well, is you're setting up a new business within major governments. These aren't just small divisions that have been running in the past. These are really brand new businesses which need a new set of KPIs, a new operating model, and a new way of working. I want to come to Carl in a moment, but, but Hassan, if I could just ask you one more on that. Um, what do you think those businesses will, what, what would they have learned, do you think, when you talk to them now, sort of 12, 18 months on? It's a really interesting question because it depends on the businesses that you talk to, right? Because we have a, a range of businesses that are at various stages of maturity in their D2C journey. The reality is most businesses are on a D2C journey. And the reason is they are trying to capture, essentially getting closer to their consumers. And one of the best learnings that I think most businesses will take is the ability to capture first party data in terms of understanding who your consumer is, how often they go online, what products they purchase from you, why, why they, you can even do surveys and understand why they're buying them from you. Having that data then allows you to do two really, really important things. Firstly, it allows you to optimize your marketing in future in terms of being able to design personalized marketing because you have better customer awareness and better customer understanding and you can target them more personally is the first thing. And the second thing in the reverse of that is actually using that data to help with your new product development. One of the most interesting things about THG as its own business is being able to utilize that data to understand your consumers has really helped us to drive our new product development. And we're able to do new product development at scale and at pace because we're capturing that consumer data and also because we're vertically integrated. So I think if we look back over the last 18 months, most of the businesses that we work with in Ingenuity are going to be looking at how do they take that customer data and use that in a more effective way when it comes to just getting extra value from it as well. And Teresa, just to build on that very quickly, because I think it's that data-led piece that for me has really fundamentally changed the way that businesses operate and the direct-to-consumer model. You know, we're doing a lot more work now really looking to analyze the data that is coming out of various different systems and data points that people are using to really 
get an understanding of what is it that customers want and you can make some quite interesting business decisions clearly off the back of that but it plays into supply chain and how fast you need to be reacting to different consumer demands so so the data analytics now used to be sort of a bit of a nice to have for for organizations i think in this new world it is a must have and if you don't have it you'll either be inefficient in terms of the cost uh, that you have and, and the amount of storage of of supply of of raw materials or you'll be cost ineffective when you're actually servicing the clients because actually you're not delivering real time you're not delivering at the speed and pace that they really want it and therefore you'll lack the consumer demand that you really need in order to generate the sort of revenues you're after so the data analytics side i think has been the fundamental shift that, that definitely won't go back and i think will only enhance and i can build a little bit further on that as well carl because i'm fascinated around this concept of data and in my in my experience what we sit with with most businesses at the moment is a lot of businesses probably don't even know what 80% of the data that they have is there for and how to use it. Least do they know exactly how to augment that to better come up with the forecasting for product demand to then improve the supply chain. And in my analytics, putting my analytics hat on, it's really interesting because most businesses probably spend about 60, 70% of analytics around cleansing data and trying to augment that where actually we're not even in the stage where lots of businesses are being able to use it to do some predictive insight to really predict what the, you know, what the future demand is going to be. And I think I'm really fascinated to see how that's going to evolve in terms of how businesses create the right data ecosystems within their organization. You sort of alluded to this a couple of minutes ago about the, you know, that customer insight. I just wondered, as the you know the the sort of the journey of the pandemic has sort of changed over the, the last 18 months have the insights that that you've been getting or, or your customers have been getting have they changed and if so how it can go in different many strands i guess naturally the data as it, what the data is telling us is that consumer behaviors have changed dramatically. And if you think back, if we looked at how we were traditionally forecasting before, which is you know, 12 months, maybe 18, maybe even 24 months, if you are a fashion retailer into the future, in terms of demand, COVID really just broke the ability to forecast that so far in the future. We can't just plan out like we used to, and we have to create new, more flexible models of data but also using that data then to inform your supply chain and build more flexible and more fluid ecosystems when it comes to your supply chain as well. The, the creation of the ecosystem there Herc, is also quite an interesting concept in actually by, by using the data, you can start to, as you say, inform other suppliers and distributors as to what it is you need. And that in and of itself helps to build other organizations, communities around it. And I think about your business up in Manchester and how you know that has filled a, a bit of an ecosystem. It's built for the supply chain. It, it will no doubt continue to grow other businesses locally around that. So that concept of an ecosystem in a certainly more virtual world, I think is has also been fueled through the pandemic, which probably didn't exist before. And I think is something again, that will, will be very much everlasting. Indeed, if you think about this, Carl, what we normally do if we're doing some digital strategy, we would traditionally start to understand, well, what's my product? What's my promotions? What's my place? 
and those, you know, you have your standard sort of four Ps. What we've evolved now is it's not just the standard four Ps of doing an analysis on a company as you put them onto a digital proposition. We also need to look at, well, what is partnerships and what is the business's purpose? And the partnerships piece is really interesting because no longer, if you think about how you can compete in the future, are you going to be able to compete just on your own? It is about building the ecosystem of partners, whether that be from, you know, if you think of e-commerce, it's everything from payments through to fulfillment, through to your partners like Facebook and Google, which is the demand generation, to get people to come to your site. It is really around building that robust ecosystem is part of it. But the other part is actually internally within the, our business, but also the businesses that we work with is, well, how do you create that right partnership or ecosystem mentality with your with with your partners that can help you to scale and grow quickly and and what is the ways of working that you build in place and what is the operating models that you build to really truly scale at pace and i think that's the real shift i've seen as well over the last uh, 18 months particularly and that's even accelerated even more in 20 you know since the beginning of 2021 as businesses have really started to okay what does the future look like? How are we going to come out of this pandemic? How are we going to have new relationships with our consumers? How are we going to connect with them more frequently? How are we going to connect them and engage with them even more? And it is around the sort of ecosystem partnership at scale. As our head of regions, Carl, just listening to what Hoslana said about their challenges, I know they're a very different international business, but a lot of the conversations that I've had with others on the podcast over the last sort of few weeks, maybe I've had a London-centric view. So picking up on some of the themes we've talked about so far, what have you picked up from our regional-based clients that maybe, you know, if you sort of take the angle of speed, imagination and care, maybe resonates with some of the discussions, but maybe what are some of the differentiators that you've seen um, from our clients? So, so I think there's an interesting piece here about how you, the UK in totality and outside of London have an opportunity through skills creation, skills development and what the businesses need to actually get centres of excellence or hubs of skills and capabilities in different areas that don't necessarily need to be in London. They can very much be in different other parts of, of the UK. It used to just be sort of London centric, but it has really evolved quite a bit. And we're just now launching, um, it's literally just, I think the keys and the lights went on uh, the keys got transferred and the lights went on this week and we launched our new purpose-built campus called icon um, it's not just fulfillment we actually also have a lot of digital capabilities there as well so we have a studios team who are creating digital content creating digital cre uh, campaigns and it's you know it's a really creative space which is normally probably found in london um, and we also have our very large digital services teams there who are going to be doing, again, traditional sort of maybe potentially London or agency-based jobs in London are going to be based out in Manchester as well. And the final piece is we obviously extended our fulfillment and also personalization um, or print on demand, should I call it, for those capabilities up in Manchester as well. It's, it's really interesting to see, you know, speaking to my colleagues, uh, the number of people we've onboarded who are, you know, based out of nor the Northwest and just that the talent that is there is quite rich as well. We've launched our new office um, in Belfast 
just wanted to kind of hear a few words from you actually in terms of our, our investment in the region um, because it sounded very similar to, to what Herculano was saying about their investment in the Northwest. Yeah, and the Belfast uh, and Northern Ireland example is a, a fantastic example of an ecosystem coming together. It's it's really been a story of of a decade of of creation, uh, one where we started with seven hundred people serving a local market. We now have a business of two and a half thousand people, uh, and actually a lot of that growth has really come in the last in the last four or five years. But actually, that has enabled us then to work very closely with local university to create again the skills and again there's quite a big technology focus on those skills and capabilities but it's not necessary to deliver to the local market it's actually to deliver more across the entirety of the UK and actually in some cases globally but that just demonstrates how actually everything in the world has, has come that much closer we can service greater areas greater numbers of clients from certain locations but in creating an ecosystem, and, and as I say, Belfast is a great example, with it now being amazingly our largest office outside of London. And that you'd have never said necessarily would have been in Belfast or Northern Ireland in the first instance. But the reason it is and the reason it's worked is because we've worked really well with local government, with academia and with business to make sure the skills that are created are the ones that are needed in the local marketplace and then service further broad, further out across the UK. So a great example of the ecosystem really being built. And I think one that will be replicated in a number of places. As we um, come towards the end of our podcast, I wanted to do a bit of forward looking with, with both of you. Um, really picking up on on some of the themes that we've talked about um, uh, over the last sort of twenty minutes or so, and and looking at the particularly that sort of pivoting that you talked about, Hasano, and what your customers have have learned. As you look forward over the next kind of eighteen months, Steph, I start with our customers, and our customers in Ingenuity are very large retailers um, and we have UK retailers like Homebase and we also work with a lot of CPG brands um, across the spectrum and we also work with beauty brands. So you know, every brand that you can imagine in terms of trying to sell to consumers and we get a really interesting view on how they see the world. And I keep landing back to this point around the conversations that we're having is we need to be an everywhere commerce business, which basically means we need to be where our customers are. We need to make sure that we are reaching them and we're engaging with them as frequently and as, as positively as possible. And a lot of our brands that we're speaking to, they are around this ecosystem play, this everywhere commerce. It's, it's not just stores anymore. It's not just about, you know, how do we only sell to our consumers through our traditional channels? It is around evolving those channels and those channels in 12, 18, 24 months time from today. So if we say, for example, in by 2023, the middle of 2023, we believe everywhere commerce will also incorporate things like social commerce, where TikTok is predicted to be uh, over $200 billion GMB retailer by the end of 2022. Instagram doing huge strides in the US and again, going to be a massive retailer by the end of 2022 in the US at least. And this concept around everywhere commerce is making sure that you're able to connect with your consumers. You build enough brand awareness. So if they identify a 
product that they want or they're trying to solve a problem, which is I need to buy some food or I'd like to buy a new sofa, it's making sure that you are the front of mind of your consumers at that point of when they're thinking about making a purchase. And then most importantly is you make sure that it's available and it's convenient and there's real value there. Those three things around availability and convenience and value are still the hallmarks of any good retail business. In fact, I think we recently done a survey of our customers. We asked them in terms of consumers, we asked them what's most important and it was those three things. So I go back to this thing in, in two years time, I genuinely believe the winning brands of the future will be the ones that are at the right point of the customer journey in this, in this everywhere commerce world. And I think just to build on that, Teresa, in terms of where the future is, what, what Hercule has really said there is it's all about transformation whether it is transformation of, of older businesses, more uh, mature businesses that need to go through big transformation in terms of change to keep up with some of the newer businesses, or even for the newer businesses, just to keep transforming to stay current and ready for the, the consumers. I think as you look forward, that customer-led transformation journey will be something that all organizations will be on, and that need to to partner with, whether it be software houses um, or other alliances that they need to form locally, that will be a real part of the transformation journey all of these organizations will need to go on to make sure they are fit for the future and fit for what will inevitably be quite a bit of change, I'm sure, coming through as we work out what, what the new normal will look like, which we know will not be the same as it was pre-pandemic. And Carl, you kind of alluded to ingenuity's future, right? So it, it, it is making sure that we are there helping the brand to grow and get there. And one of the phrases that I really, really like is Peter Drucker um, came out with this phrase and said, innovate or die. And he said this over 20 years ago. And I think this, that phrase is even more true now than it was 20 years ago of how businesses need to continuously to innovate and evolve the way they connect with the consumers through their operating model, through the transformation with building the right ecosystem and to get closer to build value for the consumers. So that's a great way to end the conversation. I really, really enjoyed that, Herculana and Carl. Thank you so very much for such an insightful discussion. Um, as I said, that's the end of um, another In Conversation With episode in our Business in Focus podcast. Thank you to every one of you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date for future episodes. And please tune in again soon.